Okay, we are back for episode 218, and here I am with the beautiful Gemma Daniel, here to talk about cacao ceremonies and Reiki, and maybe if we have time, sacred geometry. This woman is so incredibly wise. She has so many beautiful talents and gifts, and I had the honor to meet her here in Denver, not Boulder, in Denver for my very first cacao ceremony. I had no idea what I was getting into, and I was just totally taken away with her, um, I would say, I really want to use the word wisdom in full integrity because it feels that it comes from a place that's um, much more ancient than just her age. And it goes back into lineages and, um, and generations before us. It really, I really come through when she speaks that this is wisdom that's not just from what she's learned in this lifetime, but what's been carried through. So, with all that said, welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast, Gemma. Thank you so much for having me, Maddie. Are you still in Colorado or did you move? I did move. Um, I recently moved to the Telluride area, um, to Ridgeway, which is a tiny little town, a population of about a thousand. I lived on the Front Range in the Denver area for about a decade and was you know very blessed by opportunities there and connections there and i have been coming out to the ridgeway area the telluride area for about seven years and had connected with an incredible community and i am following a plant medicine path out here that is i'm really feeding my spirit i felt within about a month of coming here i felt how deeply i needed nature around me and space just, just mind space and physical space, and um, I, I really appreciate the words you shared about the work. The work I do requires space of the mind and focus and attention. And um, being a mama, I have a two-year-old beautiful son um, who I'd love to share that story of how he really came through cacao. Um, he he really wanted space as well and nature and we've connected with such a beautiful community here and i feel so blessed to live in one of the most beautiful parts of the world and i live five minutes down the road from orvis hot springs mm -hmm. and it's just it's such a gift to really connect with the earth again um a lot of i what i felt so much of within myself on the front range was I'm a lot of doing and this fast pace and grasping and needing to do. And I was working at a, such an incredible rate of production and it wasn't exactly healthy, although I was achieving quite a high level of, um, you know, awareness of my work and I was getting all the jobs and I was finally earning a good living with my work. and. I, I needed to step away and give myself space to really connect with, you know, my spirit again and the spirit about what really needs to come through me and not just saying yes to everything, but really settling into what, what I need to do for myself and what spirit wants to work through me and what I need to do for my son. And it's just been the best move. <laughs> I feel nourished just hearing about that. And hearing about this place that you're in, literally the physical space that you're in, but also emotionally, spiritually, mentally, like that, I've, I, I've personally been feeling a calling to go more into nature where I've been feeling a little bit 
confused, I guess the word is, is, is around really desiring this, in a sense, it's, it's like isolation from the busyness, but also a craving for, for not being isolated and being surrounded by community. So I love that you said you're going more into nature, into this space of more being and less productivity, and you also have the community surrounding you. So that sounds so nourishing. Yeah, one of my community members says, out here in Ridgeway, I don't really have any bad days. Mm. (laughs) And I noticed how, you know, I think that you and I can relate in being a little bit psychically sensitive. I would say I'm profoundly psychically sensitive, Mm. very, very empathic. And when there is just such a concentration of people on the front range, it's such a, a beautiful place that's beautifully thriving. You know, we always refer back to like old Denver. Um, I moved there a decade ago and it was very different back then. And there was a lot of space for artistic exploration. I could kind of live at this poverty level and build my art life up. But um, out here, it's very hard to be in a bad mood. There's one stoplight, like there's no traffic. Um, Whoa. Yeah, (laughs) which is huge. Um, just the energy you feel just driving, that act alone can really, like, how we're not even aware of how these things are psychically affecting us. And one of the m- things that the Mayans say about cacao, cacao is, um, you, you might say it's kind of become a trendy thing nowadays to hear about cacao ceremony. The Mayans are thriving on this. They say cacao has returned to us at this time because humans have become out of balance with nature. Mm-hmm. And it is here to return our balance to nature. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, I want to serve. I feel um, most filled when I serve. And whether that's a serving a cup of a cacao or a piece of art or a Reiki session, in order for me to serve, I have to be balanced in myself. I can't come from a place of stress or agitation. And I just I love the space that I have to drive out here. You know, I can drive to Telluride and go through one stoplight. <laughs> oh, my God. And how close is Telluride to you? It's about an hour away, and oh, it's just yeah. the, the most beautiful drive you've ever seen. You drive by uh, Ralph Lauren's 16,000-acre property, and he's just... <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have to come out and have a visit, because I've Yeah, been... we have a teepee tent with a queen-size bed in it that's open to anybody. <laughs> no. For real? Yeah. Yep. Oh, my gosh. This is going to happen if you're okay with it. I would love <laughs> to do that. And the hot springs right down the, the road on the county road, and... It, it's just, it feels so good and so right to my spirit and to myself. And I'm not, I'm not saying that it's, it's wrong to live in a city because it fed me for where I was at in my life. And just, I think becoming a mama really switched things for me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. obviously, like we were, what, like what I was saying earlier is you have so many avenues of service. And I, I feel, even it's so interesting how even with the tool of Skype, I can drop into someone's energy and you have, I really feel your energy of service and and calm and I'm sure everyone listening to this right now feels that as well. And so I'm, I'm so interested in how you, 
how you developed, leaned into, moved into, really embraced this gift of service because, well, I guess I should just ask the question, were you, were you always in tune to this? I know that many people have to go through a stage where they are really awakening to their gifts of service, but maybe this was always instilled within you since you were a young girl. Yeah. Um, so I was, I've been through a tremendous amount of pain in my life and not to go right into the negative. There's no details there, but, um, I was born and raised in England in the countryside in fairyland, about 30 minutes away from Stonehenge where all the crop circles happen. And I was moved to America, um, in a very traumatic way on my 11th birthday. And that time in a woman's life when she's coming into her moon cycle and um, really coming into her preteen age is a profoundly sensitive time. And it left a huge impression on me where I, I never knew where home was when I moved. I moved from countryside England, which was idyllic. We had a 250-year-old converted barn. Um, that we lived in, and we had cows and sheep and chickens, and I would bird the lambs every spring. I would collect my eggs every day, and um, we moved to almost downtown Washington, D.C., and I was told to be afraid of guns for the first time in my life. And I remember the amount of poetry that was pouring out of me and the amount of sadness that was in this poetry. And... I had a deep longing for my home, and I, I think this is also, I'm a Cancer, I think it's a very typical Cancerian path. <laughs> um, so fast forward to today, when I would crest over from Grand Junction into the canyon, the deep valley, and you could see the San Juans in the distance, I would just start crying because the San Juan Mountains, they are the most beautiful things I have ever laid my eyes on and I traveled a lot as a little girl um, being in England we went to Europe a lot and I went to Switzerland a lot and it would take me right back to Switzerland seeing these San Juan mountains and I live in between Ridgeway and Uray and Uray is called the Switzerland of America and so coming to Ridgeway was the first time in my life since I moved from the age of 11 where I felt like I was coming home and finding a sense of home again. And that sense of home really translated also to the plants I was getting to know with this plant medicine path. Um, and the sense of community that I had found here, people that are very, very high integrity and high awareness. And I have always been a giver, almost to what some people have said as a default, like a, a fault in me, I give too much. Um, I don't I don't see it that way. Um, I've been told that I'm too sensitive all my life, that I need to toughen up a little bit. Even these days I'm being told that. <laughs> um, and the sense of service really came from just this need to heal myself and this sadness and also um, you know, certain things that I was experiencing as a woman with my ovaries and um, my moon cycle, I started getting into herbalism for myself and learning about plants my, just for myself. 
And then um, through a beautiful, um, of course, very, it's always very synchronistic how you're led to these paths, right? Um, very profound stories that lead us to these profound experiences. And I was led to Reiki through um, a guy I was dating in Kansas City. And I met my Reiki master and started getting ses sessions from her. And at the time when I was getting sessions from her, I was working a corporate job. I was taking medications, you know, I, I believed Western medicine. And when I was 18 years old, I had a big, what I think would be called a spiritual awakening, but at that, at that time I didn't really have that kind of context or knowledge. I wasn't raised with any kind of spiritual wisdom. It was very um, third dimension material world. And my parents did a beautiful job and taught me how to be um, very driven in my work and very self-sufficient. Um, but when I, when I had my spiritual awakening, um, I thought something was wrong with me and I was seeing auras around people. I was seeing color fields. Um, it was, it was sort of like I was learning how to turn it on and turn it off, but it was happening all the time. I was hearing spirits. And so I thought, in, you know, in my Western mind perspective, I thought something was wrong and perhaps I had a brain tumor. And so I went to a doctor and I very, very vividly remember her sitting there in her white jacket with her clipboard sitting across the table from me. And she says, well, what you're describing is schizophrenia and here's your medication. And it wasn't, and, and I took it for about a week, and it, it made me feel so awful. I was like, this is not the answer. I know that this is profound. I know that something's going on. I need to find some answers. And it wasn't until I found my Reiki ma master, Nancy Langston, incredible woman, who was, she was the first person in my life that started asking me real questions. Like, okay, well, what are these spirits are saying? What do they look like? Let's talk to them. What colors are you seeing? And she, she asked me real questions that validated my experience. And immediately, I, I just had this deep feeling of knowing that this was my path. And they say with Reiki, if you've had it in this lifetime, you've had it in many, many, many lifetimes before. And when I came to Reiki in this lifetime, all I can say is that it was a deep, deep remembering I, I knew that this had happened before and that this was who I was and that this was how I was going to serve. And it made me feel so good. It got me off medications almost immediately. It got me aligned with my spirit and it took me out of the corporate world. It, you know, it was many years of progression as I moved through the different levels of attunements, they call them. But I eventually found my path in being a self-employed fine artist. I went from doing graphic design and making logos and giving my creativity away and giving it away and giving it away. And I went into self-expression through the healing of Reiki and plants. And um, it's just the, the greatest, most empowering gift that we all have the right to. And it's said that everybody on this planet has the power of Reiki within them when it's, it's the most natural aspect of, of humanity. When a baby cries, a mother picks it up. When you hurt yourself, like you scrape your knee, you immediately put your hands on it. There's something about the hands that are, it's our innate ability to heal ourselves. And there's channels there in, 
studying under a Reiki master, you can really start to understand what this is all about. Wow. <laughs> you tell stories so beautifully, too. I mean, it's like I'm just captivated by all that you've been through. And in Reiki, so some people listening to this have maybe no idea what Reiki really is. In its most basic description, what is, what is Reiki and what is the, the process that's happening through hands? So to be clear, Reiki is a space that I step into or any Reiki practitioner steps into with a receiver. And there's a giver and a receiver. It's a process of laying on hands. You can do it hands off. I can do it distance over the phone. I'm, I'm kind of activating it now over our conversation, intending for everyone to feel a little bit of Reiki. It took me a long time of studying quantum physics to believe that I could send it over the phone and do distance work. Um, it is a just an intentional process of healing and a profoundly concentrated intention that requires great focus and great meditation. And it requires complete and total removal of self. I am not passing my energy onto someone. I am becoming an open channel for the great energy of great spirit to come through me, which requires uh, study and training and the right attunements from a master. The idea of not giving your own energy to someone else in order to share this gift takes an incredible weight off, the sh off my shoulders just thinking about that because I know in my experience of being a coach, a lot of times it's felt emotionally draining because it would come from me. Like mm -hmm. I've, I've shifted in certain ways. I know there's a lot more shifting that can take place, a lot more learning a lot more ease that can be incorporated. Um, uh, Yashoda, which I've had on the podcast as well, she's talked about this, of this energy always passing through, and, and she's infinite, and so it's like this infinite energy, and anything she gives to people, whether it's time or attention, it's it's coming through her, and it, she doesn't feel depleted afterwards. And it sounds like with your, with your Reiki, you're not feeling depleted afterwards because it's never really coming from, from you and your energy storages. Absolutely. And um, thank you for bringing Yashoda and love to her and everything she's taught me. Um, she's absolutely right. So your energy is finite. You have a certain level that you are able to get to and a certain capacity. And then we need to go to sleep or meditate or do yoga to kind of replenish. When you are open to the energy of great spirit, it is infinite. And it's not coming from you, it's coming through you. And this is an incredibly important part of Reiki. And a really good Reiki practitioner is, is doing that. And um, Re I've always taught my students in Reiki that this is the only path with um, alternative forms of healing, hands-on healing, that you don't get depleted because of this. It is almost foolproof. Once you receive the attunements, it's like you can't give your energy. It's not happening that way. It doesn't work that way. And it's, it's extremely important to understand that we're not receiving someone's energy because we have a, almost like a judgment of that, where they're at in their lives. Um, who they are, 
you know, if someone's ego is getting in the way of their ability to offer and um, genuinely give, that I've seen that, you know, countless times in the the quote-unquote healing community mm-hmm. where people get high off the power that comes through that. And it is a power, but it is to be treated with the utmost humility and respect. Humility is the most important part of Reiki, that it is not you, that it is a, you are in service and offering on behalf of the power of Great Spirit. And I think that that your clients are most comforted by that because there's no aspect of ego. There's no judgment. There's none of that, you know, junk in the way. <laughs> and not to say that those things aren't important in our lives and serve a great purpose. But in the in the realm of healing, there there is no room for ego. I was asked a question um, two days ago. You know, Instagram stories has that new feature where it's like, ask me a question. And someone asked me, um, which I have, I have no experience with whatsoever, but they asked about if I knew anything about healing sexual shame with, with Reiki. And so I'm mm-hmm. passing this on to you. What, have you seen any experiences where, where people come to you either with sexual trauma or just um, sexual beliefs being raised with religion and there's repression and then fear-based sex or sex, sexual um, trauma, anything like that, and has come to you and experienced massive amounts of healing through the power of Reiki? Oh, (laughs) such a beautiful aspect of our humanity is this um, physical connection we have to each other. Um, So in an offering to that question, it is one of the most central parts that I focus on, especially with women. The our sexual center is in our uh, sacral chakra, in our womb space. And in the principles of Reiki, we understand that any physical or emotional, quote-unquote, issues that we're experiencing are correlated to a spiritual issue on a spiritual level. The physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual body are um, intertwined into one being. And there is no separation between a physical issue and a spiritual issue. So it is my job in the offering to help my client understand how anything showing up on a physical, emotional, mental level has a correlation to their spirit. So with um, the profound issues of sexual trauma, which are beautifully coming to light in the most recent six six months to 12 months, Jupiter being in Scorpio, the Me Too movement, um, women are speaking up and talking about how we can no longer take this. These are our wombs speaking. This is our center of creation. This is where the most profound act of human creation occurs. There is a great power in that act of creation that has been dominated and taken advantage of. And to heal our sexual centers is to get in touch with our true creative abilities. And it's my personal belief as a Reiki practitioner that any physical issue is correlated to a lack of creative expression. And doesn't mean you need to be an artist or a musician. 
we can express ourselves creatively on so many different planes. But for me personally, in my healing journey, I had a tremendous problem with ovarian cysts. And it was because my creativity was being locked up in a corporate world, being used for logos, doing it as cheaply and as quickly as possible. And it wasn't being used to bring these higher energies of spiritual service through. And it wasn't until I worked with herbs and Reiki and my true creative expression of my fine art that I began to release the physical experience of these ovarian cysts and painful periods. And it's, it's still work that I do today. Um, we feel so much through our wounds. And it's just now coming to light. This We talk about the divine feminine and the rise of the goddess. She's doing really good these days. She's doing good work. <laughs> good work. Um, we're, we're, I think it's time to kind of also focus on the healing of the divine masculine. Mm. Um, so... This, this path of sexual trauma it requires great sensitivity and time and patience and proactivity to open our creative centers, to express ourselves creatively, to move the trauma through creative expression, to find joy through creative expression. And without really knowing that personal client and that personal experience, you know, there's a lot of details that can be explored there and, and minute moments and, and different therapies. But in general, it's, it comes down to creative expression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, so, it's so powerful merely placing attention on the womb, just even, even starting there. Because how often are we told to drop into our womb space, like on a daily basis, like never. And, <laughs> and even beyond the womb, the ovaries, because the ovaries. that's where the egg begins. Yeah. That's where, in, in the spiritual level, the egg correlates to an idea. That's where the spark of a creative idea begins. The idea comes into the womb space, then it comes up through the solar plexus on a spiritual level um, to take a solar plexus as creative action. The heart is bringing in love. The throat is the pathway of expression where we can, um, the, the sacral and the throat have a beautiful relationship that is very profound because our ideas can get stuck at our sacral area. And if they're not being expressed in the real world, they just get stuck there. And that manifests as ovarian cysts and painful periods. And they're just, they're not coming to fruition. And we have all these profound ideas that are not being acted on. So to clear our energy through our, our throat which is in, uh, profoundly important with speaking our truth, toning through sound. Um, you know, I like to do uh, going out into the woods and just making whatever sounds come out and, you know, getting as loud as possible. My toddler loves to scream. Why, like, why is it not okay for adults to do that? It's a beautiful way to move energy. It's simply just moving energy. Mm. And the same with tears. We, we attach these emotions to I'm sad when tears are just a beautiful way to move energy physically. Mm -hmm. So these, the, I really like to get into where the eggs lay and what ideas are there and how to move that through my body to bring a profound idea into the material world.
Do you have any practices that you do besides Reiki, people, something people can do if they're wanting to put more love and put more focus into their eggs? Because I freaking like love everything you just said. I just got like a massive dose of new like links connecting in my brain. Like I've never thought about it that way. And, I've, and, and everything is just coming together. And I'm thinking about the flow, the, the, this feminine flow and how we're connecting energy. And the, what you said, I wrote it down. The egg correlates to an idea. I'd never made that connection. And oh God, I just feel so good. So <laughs> making sounds and like flowing through sounds and tears. Is there anything else that you would tell people is a really wonderful way if they feel their creativity is stuck to get that energy flowing? So, yes. Um, bringing it back to, um, I do Vedic meditation every day, which helps calm my mind mm -hmm. and get my mental out of the way. Um, all around the world, women are coming together and remembering an ancient tradition of the, rent, the red tent, the red tent gathering. Mm -hmm. And... Um, reconnecting this profound, profound power that we have in our ability to bleed. And I've seen so many of my sisters, including myself, be like, oh, I'm on my moon again. Oh, this feels terrible. You know, like, I don't like this experience. This feels so weird. And, um, to connect with the beautiful gift of what it means to bleed, it is said that when all women return their blood to the earth again, no more blood will be shed. And the uh, men don't bleed unless they are opening their skin on purpose. They don't release that. So that is why there is war and violence, is because they are trying to attain that power of bloodshed. It is not... <laughs> so a profound practice to do is to collect your blood... Um, and offer it to the earth, water it down, get it in your gardens, your plants will love it. The earth needs it. She desperately needs us to give back to her in this way, the iron, the, the nutrient contents that are in that. There are even high, high tantric practices that involve drinking it. I am definitely not there yet. <laughs> um, that's a really um, quite, quite a courageous move to, to go into that power. But to um, collect your blood and offer it to the earth is a really profound way to connect with your creative abilities. Your earth is your creator. She, you are from her. She is, you are of her substance and she wants your substance. And to create that symbiotic relationship, you are eating her fruits and vegetables. You are standing on her ground. Give back to her and see what she brings to your life by way of, of creative inspiration, creative motivation, creative action. She is your creator, and she is the greatest creator you can get in touch with. And combining that with the energy of the sun, that's when we truly balance the divine feminine and the masculine. And I don't like to wear a cup. I know that's probably the easiest way to collect your blood. Um, I don't like to put anything that, that pr actually blocks that flow. I have to just be completely open. Um, some people use sponges. That's still putting something up. Um, I have to just sometimes just go sit on the earth and dig a hole with a skirt on and just kind of put the skirt over it. Really? <laughs> and the, the actual force of gravity that you can use there is so profound. And how long do you sit there? 
As, I mean, being a mama is probably just like an hour, but also what you were saying, I wanted to touch on this is like, are there any practices that I can do? And this is the same kind of yang energy mm, yeah. of like doing, right? But our moon time asks us to just be yeah. and to just sit and to not do. And so can you find the space to put your phone down, mm-hmm. put your schedule aside when you're bleeding and just be with the earth and nothing else. That is one of the hardest tasks in our days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. You are her substance. She wants your substance. That was like one of the most powerful lines I've ever heard. Because I've, <laughs> I've, I've thought about this of like how the feminine, how our bodies, we are mother earth. Like we are life, we are birth, we are food. And mother earth is the same. But thinking about swapping together feeding off of each other's energy, not just going for a hike and being in her, but really infusing her with you and you with her, the blood and the sun and the food. Ah, I'm like overwhelmed with like so much joy just hearing all of this and oh God, I I love this. So this is a beautiful segue into hearing more about cacao and and Mm -hmm. I love these red tent ceremonies and bleeding together and there's also other ways to come together and And one of the, like you said, more trendy things that are happening are these cacao gatherings and cacao ceremonies, though it's not just this trendy new age thing. This is very old. This is very ancient and it's coming back for a reason. So what is cacao for anyone who's never heard of this before? And and who is mother cacao? Mm, Beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful way to connect with our great creator, the earth. Uh, Cacao is known as la fruta de la terra, the fruit of the earth. And it is the most raw form of unprocessed chocolate. It is like in a cacao ceremony, you drink a high dose of chocolate. And chocolate, as, um, as two women here, we, we know how chocolate makes us feel. We have certain brain receptors that really turn on our bliss and joy when we eat chocolate. And the same, it's the exact same receptors that we have when we, re- when we have an orgasm. And... There are certain chemicals in cacao that are um, highly beneficial. And it is a very ancient practice that is coming back to us now to help us reconnect with with our, our creator, our earth, um, the mother. And in, you know, it goes back all the way back to the Olmecs, before the Mayans, the Olmecs, they found um, very, very, very ancient artifacts that have traces of what's called theobromine from the cacao and theobromine is one of the chemicals in found in cacao in the actual beans and in the flesh that surrounds the beans. It's uh, grown in a pod on a tree and it's grown in a very specific region of the earth on like a, a just north of the equatorial belt or south of the equatorial belt because it requires a certain amount of sun, a certain amount of shade and a certain amount of rain to grow. And the theobromine is, there's a beautiful mystery in the word. The word theo and refers to uh, God, theo. Bromine means food. So it is literally food of the gods. There's another chemical called anandamide. And ananda in Sanskrit means bliss. So it is the blissful food of the gods. And um, after the Olmecs, which was um, about 1000 BC, 1200 BC, um, the, the Aztecs and the Mayans were 
were using this cacao a lot. It was actually, the beans were their form of currency. They valued it so highly. And they would brew cacao um, in sacred ceremonies, in sacred rituals, in rites of passage, especially in marriage ceremonies. When you prepare cacao, um, you're mixing a certain amount of cacao to a certain ratio of water. And a typical one-pound block of cacao yields about 11 doses of um, ceremonial, ceremonial dose. Um, so when you, when you brew cacao, you're whisking it, you're, you're frothing it, and the froth is how you're opening up the spirit. And in the ancient practices of the Mayan, they would have the, uh, the bride in the marriage um, froth cacao to make sure that she was worthy of bringing forth the spirit of cacao, because that really indicated that she had divine feminine powers. And when you brew cacao and you drink a ceremonial dose, you experience 30% more blood flow, your heart rate slightly increases, your blood pressure drops a little bit, and on a spiritual level, the spirit of cacao, she is a very, very gentle medicine. She is like a mother that holds you. And she will hold your hand and walk you to the door of your heart. And she will gently stand at the door of your heart. And if you're ready, she will help you open that door and look inside your heart and see what's there. It's very common for emotions to come up. It is very common for people to cry. It is very common for people to have visionary experiences, but it is not psychedelic. It is not um, a forced vision. It's only if you only get what you can, what you're ready for and what you need to see. So I'd love to ex ex um, share the, the story of my first cacao ceremony. Oh yeah, please. <laughs> so I had cacao for the first time with a beautiful Colombian woman named Paula. She's still serving cacao all over the world with her partner, Gustav, Gustavo. And they're a beautiful couple that really carry the spirit of cacao just so gently and gracefully. And she was serving... Um, she was serving a half dose at a women's gathering and she was serving a half dose because her partner was not allowed to be there. It was only for women. And so she respects the spirit of cacao so deeply that she will only serve a full dose if the balance of her and her masculine are there. So I only had a half dose <laughs> and I had a very profound experience. I was with the, the whole gathering was about 500 women in the Redwoods in Mendocino County at the Spirit Weavers gathering. And there was about 70 of us sitting in this grove of redwoods. And Paula ex um, started to share, you know, it takes about 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes for the cacao to really start to work through your system once you've drank it. And um, to pass that time, she started to share a story with us. And she was telling us of a miscarriage she had, a very sacred story, an experience of, you know, these profound journeys we embark on as women. And, you know, we're all crying our eyes out in the middle of the Redwoods listening to this story. And as I'm hearing this, I am realizing that I was getting really annoyed by all the children at the gathering. There, you know, there's a lot of mamas there. There's a lot of children, different age ranges. They were all screaming and being really bratty and 
taking away from my experience, you know, <laughs> and climbing all over the class materials and like really disrupting the information I wanted to receive and experience. And I, I realized how much frustration and judgment I had of these very pure, innocent children. And I went inside my heart with the spirit of cacao guiding me and realized I needed to heal an abortion I'd had a long time ago in my early, early 20s. And I cried and cried and I, I didn't have the spiritual awareness at that time to really honor that process and realize what that meant for my spirit and meant for the spirit wanting to come through me. And of course, it was the right decision for me at the time, and I honored myself for that. But I needed to go back and heal it and really look at it. And Cacao was the one that helped me to go there and to go into this place that I just kind of pushed into my past and just not wanted to go there. It was too painful. And I came out of that experience realizing, oh my gosh, I think I want to be a mama. I had I had just like disregarded this. I, I didn't want to be a mama. I was on my own path. I wanted to be a really successful artist. I had a career. I there was no way I could make space for children in my life. And I had a partner. I have a partner. And he had told me that he didn't want to be a father. And the founder of the gathering, at the end of the gathering, her five-year-old came to her and put her hand on her heart in front of the entire gathering of 500 women. And the founder of this gathering, Maya, said, I pray you all get to feel this kind of love. And that struck me so deeply. And that's when I knew that I, I, I want to be a mama. I want to experience this at some point in my life. I, I know that my anger and my judgment and my grief is the actual correlation to my sadness of not yet being a mama. So I went home to my partner and I said, if you can't walk this path of parenthood with me eventually, I need to walk away. I love you so much, but I need this in my life. And I feel truly in my heart that the true path of spiritual ascension and service is through the act of human creation. And he said to me, okay, I feel the truth in your words. I, I want to be open to this too. And we, we said, eventually, we'd like to look at this together. And I, I, I can walk this path with you eventually. I do want that for my life. And it was a month later we conceived our son. <laughs> so he was literally like hanging out in this cacao ceremony, like right around my spirit. And was like, hey, mama, I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm going to get you ready. Oh, <laughs> oh. God, such a tender story. Mm -hmm. Wow. And what I what I what's really standing out to me is your absolute devotion and dedication to your truth. And even though you love you loved him, you were willing to say this is this is important to me. This is going to be on my path and you are welcome to join and come along. Um, but if it's not for you, I understand, but it is for me, and I'm going to have to take this direction. Mm -hmm. That must have been, was that very hard? Yes. We were very, it was very early on in our relationship. We became parents very quickly. We did not have a lot of time of just us two. How long was it? 
about seven or eight months. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was it was very very fast track, and we had a profound um, story of how we came together as well. Um, it was like it was almost like undeniable forces from the universe aligning us and bringing this beautiful spirit through. My son is light years beyond me <laughs> and what he has to teach me and what he has already taught me. Oh, and God. Wow. I just want to stop there because that kind of perspective really, really, um, I, I just, I respect it so much and I, I crave that. Like most of my entire life, like to this day, the, the messages I've received from my parents are like, you're young, you'll get it when you're older, you're only 20, whatever. Like kind of dismissing what I'm capable of because I'm back then five and then I'm 10 then I'm 15 then I'm 20 now I'm 26 and it's like it's never it's never an age where I feel that they validate my experiences it's always too young you don't know anything oh yeah when you're told that over and over and over and over again um you start to dismiss what you're capable of believing so you don't even try I mean not me necessarily I've I I have not let that stop me on a subconscious level it hurts though it definitely hurts to feel like you're always going to be dismissed from the two people that you you love more than anything the ones that you relied on your entire age but yet you're never ever going to feel like you can validate your your messages your realness your experience especially like you were saying earlier like on a psychic level i know that i'm capable of understanding a lot more than what I have been given in my 26 years so far. And I understand that's just the way that they were told and the way that the, my grandparents were told. It's, it's been passed down that age equals knowing. And that's been something that I am very conscious about breaking. And so I don't wanna pass that on if I'm ever to have kids. I wanna know that, I want them to know that no matter what their age is, they are capable of incredible things beyond that age. Age, because their souls have been around longer. And it's a mm -hmm. gift. It's a gift for me to be able to bring that soul back again through my body. Um, and when I hear, someone has once told me, um, or I was reading in a book, the book was called A Course of Love, I think. I think it's this book. There's been a few messages over the past year where I have been, like just now, I heard this from you and I heard this from someone else. But there was something about that I read, I think it was in that book, on how our kids are, they're meant to surpass us. They are absolutely meant to surpass us in our, our knowledge and our wisdom. Like we've done a good job if they surpass us, especially at a young age. And it's our job to believe that because they are not here for us, they come through us and that's it. And they are meant to know more. And, and Bob Dylan has that quote about, um, we need to get out of their way and let our children come forward and create a new path. And we need to release how it looks and, and stop trying to control it because they're here to do bigger work than just be a part of our small family unit and do what we want them to do. <laughs> exactly, Maddie. I, I experienced the same thing, especially from my father. You know, you don't know anything. You'll learn eventually. You know, you'll get it when you grow up. Um, I'm going to make decisions for you. I know what's right for you. And I, I had to learn that hard way too through a lot of pain and a lot of frustration. And, um, so it's been said that on Earth, um, half the spirits that are coming through have never incarnated before. And they are so pure, like angels. And we, we often hear, you know, 
these beautiful infants are so pure and so clean. Um, we have to baptize them and wash them of their sins as if they've ever done anything like that. <laughs> um, and that somehow along the way we become adults and we get screwed up. And from my perspective, in learning the hard way and seeing this new awakening that is taking generations and slowly happening, but also in the grand scheme of things happening very quickly. My son is light years beyond me. He is a very, very wise soul and has chosen profound parents. It isn't, you know, my partner has just as many gifts as I do to share the world. And he's chosen very wisely and he knows exactly what he's doing and he knows what's best for his life and what he's here to do. And I am in awe of witnessing him and what he is here to create for our new earth. And if I am to tell him what to create for our new earth, we're going to end up with the same problems, whether that be, um, you know, climate or environmental practices, creative practices, emotional practices. He has a profound innocence that I want to get out of the way of and not change and not um, taint. And of course, along the way, it's not just me. He goes to school. He learns from his peers. He learns from culture. And it's just my job to create an attitude that he knows what's best for his life. When I wanted to go to college, I wanted to go to an art institute. There was a part of me that knew I was going to be an artist. And my dad told me that I was not allowed to. I was going to a four-year university and I was going to do something that was going to make me money. So I went and studied graphic design at a four-year university and I paid for it. I pay, I'm still paying for my school. And turns out I'm actually making way more money as a fine artist than I ever did as a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I knew what was best for my life, but I wasn't seen and I wasn't believed in. And I've actually just recently uh, worked with another couple of parents who have a daughter who's at um, a really prestigious art school and she wants to leave. And I'm, I'm telling them, please trust that she knows. She knows. And you can kind of feel like you want to guide her life and steer her because you have the wisdom of age, but you don't know her life. You don't know what's best for her life. You are her parents and you are there to believe in her and to give her the confidence of your trust. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn that the hard way too. Oh, God. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> wow, yeah, this is so beautiful and so much good insight for people and, and and people as parents, those who are parents, but also those who have that experience of what you described. And I've had that as well. And, and it, it's, it's something that I invite everyone to be aware of if they have those stories in their head that, oh, I'm, I'm this age, so I'm not capable of really trusting myself. Well, maybe that, that goes way back into your lineage and that's not actually you with those doubts and you do know what you want but you weren't taught that you can trust what you want because of your age mm -hmm. um, and that kind of awareness can be very powerful very very powerful simply knowing where that's coming from and knowing that that's not really truth truthful for you that's something that you've been learned and that's been passed down to you but in your core essence you do have that very 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 strong thing called intuition and it's it's um 
it's a process to learn how to trust it again. It takes time and it takes um, making choices that maybe later you say, oh, I could have made a different choice, but that's okay. That's part of the entire process. Wow. And there's there's also certain, um, what, I've, what I've experienced also is there's certain astro- astrological alignments that happen along the course of your life. And one of the most profound ones is your Saturn return mm-hmm. that happens at about 28, 29. This is why so many young, brilliant geniuses die at 27 is because they're not capable of going through their Saturn return. They're not, their spirit doesn't want to. Your Saturn return will so profoundly change the course of your life. And it's something that's inevitable. You, you surrender to it. For me, it is what took me from being a graphic designer into a fine artist. It can be the most wonderful, like the, the most divine direction and guidance from the stars and the planets. And that's what I think that the elders really say when they mean like you don't you haven't gone through these rites yet. You haven't gone through this passage. Mm-hmm. You don't know anything. You don't know what your life is going to be like. Um, so I think that that's their innocent perspective. And, and we, we must also honor our elders and the wisdom they carry and be open to listen to them if they can deliver it with humility and grace, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know if you can have your Saturn return slightly early? <laughs> Just out of curiosity. I think that um, it generally occurs, but like I think the earliest you could have it would be 27 and a half, maybe 28 is really where it starts to kick in. Um, I, I what do you feel might feel a preparation happening. Yeah, I what you might be experiencing do. is uh, your spirit understands what's coming, and you're so in tune and and. Um, getting ready there might be certain aspects that are hitting that point of your chart that are you know getting ready to cross over and there's like almost like a spiritual foreshadowing of what's to come yeah so you it can feels like a you start cleansing. to feel it years earlier yeah so i i turn i turn 27 in a month exactly today wow <laughs> and and i've i've been feeling it's been feeling like a lot of a lot of aspects of what i've identified with about myself I am this I am this I am this I I like these things I like these things there it's like they're it is so natural everyone keeps saying oh it's probably because the Saturn turns coming up but I I know that it it started with a feeling and now it's making sense because of that rather than oh my Saturn returns coming up I I need to start clearing out some things no it's it's really been very if anything if I had a choice I would not be doing this because it's very uncomfortable but I feel everything getting really mushy and cleansed and like I I'm in this place where everything that I've liked and known about myself and um identified with myself feels like it's naturally just getting foggy and it's very confusing and it's very weird and it's been like nothing I have ever experienced before ever mm-hmm. like I've always been my my dad's always said you know yourself more than anyone I've ever known and that's given me a lot of confidence like oh I'm this person that really knows herself I know myself I know myself and um now I'm going through this period of like not knowing myself and it's so interesting and and I think I think when I'm hearing what you're saying, I think since I, I am just about to turn 27, there is this soul preparation, like starting to kind of break apart the identity pieces I've held onto. Like I feel like there's a big cube of ice and there's a, like a hammer and a pick and it's just starting to like open up and, and break apart and break apart and break apart and like cleansing this space 
getting everything nice and loose so that I can I can dive into this this newness whatever is coming for me but I can certainly feel it beginning Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I just offer you uh, the grace of courage to walk with your your chin up and to know that spirit spirit's got the plan and you can't control it. And I know that. Are you a Virgo? I'm a Virgo rising. I'm a Leo sun. I'm a Virgo rising too. <laughs> and that's where I think the very precision, like the very high level of precision in my art comes from is my Virgo rising and and my path that I study the plant medicine path that I study they call it astrology is supreme science um, it is is beautiful tool that we can use to better understand who we are and our path in the world and and to guide us by the stars the stars are there you know we can't deny their power and their beauty and their wisdom and I I understand that I went through a profound Saturn return. It was changed everything who I was and um, you know, relationships fall away, your career changes or falls apart, or some people have a midlife breakdown, um, certain emotional patterns can break away or start. Um, there's this aspect of, of releasing control and coming back to daily ways to ground, ground down into your body, doing physical practices. For me, it was a lot of writing and journaling, mm. yeah. um, really documenting where I was at, what I was feeling, what was going on. Um, for no one else to read, but I don't even go back and read it. It just needed to get out of my head and get on the paper yeah. and stop circulating around in my thoughts and giving me headspace. Um, and so just, just have courage and know that whatever transformation we're going through, the universe wants you to thrive it is a, a naturally thriving place. Um, you plant a seed and a plant grows. And oftentimes, even in the harshest conditions, it will still grow. The plants will crack through concrete. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I really, especially coming back to cacao, I, I really I focus a lot on the plant kingdom in my life because plants are very obedient to the light. They will follow the sun. They will move towards the sun. And they will still be deeply rooted on the earth, but they will grow upwards towards the skies. And the path of the Saturn return is a beautiful growth to um, help you become a profoundly wise woman who has many gifts to offer the world. And and you are also a channel like literally a podcast channel delivering this wisdom to so many. And you might not do that after your Saturn return. You might say, I've done, I've done this and this is, it's going to exist over here and I'm going to go over here and to not get attached to who we think we are Mm -hmm. because we are always changing. Even on a cellular level, we become an entirely new being every seven years. All of our cells regenerate every seven years. So I am not at all the person I was seven years ago. 
And um, like I said, I, I didn't want to be a mother. And then I found out I did want to be a mother. And um, it's opening our heart to the profound gift of change, that it's not this painful experience that has to be done forcefully or turbulently, um, but it can be this beautiful cocoon cracking blossoming of a butterfly that is the most gorgeous thing you've ever seen that way you just described um the plants coming through the concrete and like (laughs) allowing like allowing us to to grow in even the harshest conditions and and also with knowing that after your sudden return you might be different and that's okay and it's sometimes when you're in a state like this podcast, the work I do, it's so real to me. And it's like, this is why I'm here. And sometimes we can get so, so, so intertwined with and attached with the identity that we hold. And simply hearing you say, like, it's okay if, if you look and say, well, you know what? I've done that. And I can, I can have it over here. Now I'm going to go here. Like, it does bring in a feeling of excitement of like, oh, yeah, I don't have to attach. Yeah. This isn't where I have to be forever, and I, I am enjoying it for now, but knowing that there's always this room for evolution, always, every day, there is the space for evolution if we allow it. You know, We have the potential to try to fight it, but knowing that you are, our bodies are regenerating every seven years, like it's, it's such a mind-blowing thing, and it also takes off a lot of pressure, because you can just let go and let spirit do its magic and be along for the ride. And it takes, exactly. being in, it takes being in tune and it takes being patient and it takes being very, very, very trusting, trusting, knowing that everything is happening in your favor and, and um, oh, just allow it to blossom. And I think that's yeah. just such a beautiful ending point, just ending there and, and um, sitting with this. And I highly encourage everyone to go back and listen to this episode 10 more times. <laughs> I know that I'm going to listen to it several more times. This is so incredibly, um, this honestly, Gemma, this is probably my favorite episode and this is episode 218. And I'm like, wow. yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I have, I have not learned so much in an episode in a long time. And I'm so filled up right now. And, and it reminds me, this is why I podcast. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, the honor is mine, Maddie. I, I want to bow to you for creating this this platform for me to share what I've learned. And it's just, I, I feel so grateful for my teachers who are years beyond me and so wise, not in age necessarily, but just um, touching back to our ending point, the trust and the patience are so key. Trust in yourself that you know what's best for you. Trust in great spirit that loves you, that wouldn't have put you here if there wasn't a divine purpose and plan for your life. And whether that be service, like you're serving through this podcast and giving to so many. And what a divine gift you have brought so many. And I'm, I'm just so honored that you asked me to speak with you and that we had such a beautiful conversation. And I love um, the different um, pathways and ways we took in this conversation. There's, there's a lot of richness there that I wasn't really expecting. I was expecting to go into like cacao ceremony and here's what it's about and here's how you can get to it and here's how you feel. And, and we ended up talking about so much that um, 
is exactly what people need to hear at this mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And that's where the aspect of trust comes in, that you might want to control it. I had like my, my little list of bullet points, and we touched on maybe three of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Same. But, Lack of, lack of control because great spirit does have that plan and whether you want to call it source energy god goddess there's something that made you that put you here and called for your spirit to incarnate on this earth and that is the sole purpose of spiritual evolution we are here to grow and learn and this podcast is a tool for people to grow and learn and you are serving so deeply in that way so thank you so much thank you for acknowledging me in that way that that just made me feel so warm and so appreciated like that hearing you say it in that way like sometimes i forget that this is a this is an act of of service every day when i'm hopping on here and i'm sharing and I'm bringing on amazing people, sometimes it just feels like it's just this thing that I do, right? Mm-hmm. And, and every episode to me really is this magical creation and it feels so good. It almost feels selfish because it's just so good for me and so fun, <laughs> but it really, it, it really is coming from this place of service and wanting to spread this incredible wisdom and knowledge out into the world and and i'm honored to be able to do so i am so i'm so appreciative to live in a time when podcasts are a thing like i Mm -hmm. think about this all the time how incredible skype is or zoom is or just itunes is and like we're just so blessed to have the ability to have anyone from around the world right now can listen to what you have to share anyone as long as they have podcasts (laughs) that is so unbelievably amazing so in closure i will have your links on the show notes for this episode but for anyone that is out and about and they just want to hear and look up later where they can find you at what is your website where people can look more into your work i am at optimisticarts.com optimistic with a y mystic with a y and you can google Gemma danielle and it'll come up and um I just wanted to say with the, what you said about being selfish, when you offer Reiki, every time you offer, you receive. And giving is receiving. Mm-hmm. And I, I really encourage people to give to themselves. Fill your cup before you go out and give to the world. And I am also incredibly grateful for the tool of technology that I'm able to sell my work all over the world by simply just posting it on Instagram. On Instagram, I'm optimisticism. So it's mysticism with O-P-T-I at the beginning. And I am very grateful for the, the following I've been able to cultivate and um, grateful for the ability to share these gifts worldwide. The art was only ever a medium for the Reiki. I could keep doing one-on-one sessions for the rest of my life, or I could paint a mural and have thousands of people walk by it and feel something. And um, I hope that in listening to this podcast, you also felt something. Yeah. And your art is beautiful. So we didn't really get into that. So everyone do please go follow her on Instagram. Check out her sacred geometry art. And that's how I originally found you and heard about you was through this art. So that is something that I highly encourage everyone to check out. Again, this is episode 218. So if you want to get the show notes for this, find all those links. You can go to maddiemoon.com slash Gemma Daniel. We will see you guys next week.